Welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor, and we're so grateful you guys are here. Whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're joining us online, uh, we're grateful to have you. Our hope and prayer is that this has become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. I want to let you know about a couple things that are happening. First, next week, we're starting a, a new series called Prayers from Prison. Uh, well, what we're doing is we're looking at uh, some of the most powerful prayers ever prayed and written down for us. They were written by a guy named Paul, same guy that we're uh, studying in this series that we're currently in. Uh, and Paul writes these prayers while he's in prison. And we're going to talk about why he's there and all of that. And actually, we, we've already done a video to kind of prep you for that. So if you go to our message series hubs, then you can, get, uh, you can watch that video and kind of see uh, some of the reasons why Paul was in prison and what we're going to be discussing uh, but I believe it's going to be a powerful series to challenge us that no matter what's going on in our lives, what, what is our response? Uh, and then how do we pray for others? How do we care for others in a way that uh, can create some, some lasting change? So just want to encourage you to be here next Sunday. Invite somebody. Uh, also, on uh, March 20th, we're going to be starting another round of Alpha. Alpha is the most powerful course I've ever taken. Um, it's designed for those who uh, maybe are exploring their faith or maybe you're new to faith or, uh, or maybe you're like, man, I, I've been a, a follower of Jesus. I just don't know if I have the foundations that I need. Uh, Alpha would be a great course for you. We're also looking for table leaders that are like, man, I'm pretty good in my faith, but I'd love to help others out as well. Uh, in fact, I think we have a video that tells you a little bit more about Alpha. So take a look at this. Life is busy. Every day we ask questions like, what's happening today? What should I wear? How am I gonna fit everything in? But then there are bigger questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? Where am I heading? Is there more to life than this? These are some of life's big questions, but there's rarely enough time to think them through. That's why Alpha exists. Alpha is a place to explore life's big questions in a safe and open environment. It's a series of sessions where anyone can share their thoughts and opinions and ask questions without feeling judged. When you come to an Alpha, you'll notice that first, there's food. Whether it's a full meal or a light snack, this is the time to get to know each other in a casual setting. Next, you'll watch an Alpha talk. The talks are created to engage and spark conversation. They explore big issues around faith from a Christian perspective. After the talk is a time for discussion. This is the most essential part of any Alpha. It allows everyone to share their own opinions on the ideas presented in the talks. It's a time for people with different thoughts, beliefs, and experiences to ask honest questions and have open conversation. So if you want to meet new people, you want to uh, grab uh, a meal every week, uh, and then uh, the course is taught by uh, somebody with a British accent, so that's always a, a plus, uh, and you want to grow in your faith, uh, check out Alpha. You can get more information. We have actually got a table out in the courtyard. Stephen Marshall will be there. They can answer any questions that you might have. I'd love for you guys to uh, be a part of that if that's something that, that interests you. Today, we're going we're gonna to answer, the uh, I think, the most important question you and I could ever ask. Uh, it's a question that... Uh, for some of you, uh, this will be a transformative faith experience today. Uh, for others of you, uh, my hope and prayer is that uh, you will either continue or you will join God on what he's trying to do around the world and what he wants to do in and through you. 
Uh, my son asked this question. Uh, he was uh, four or five years old. We picked him and my, my daughter up from a, a childcare place, and they said, well, where were you guys? And we said, we were at a, a, a Good Friday service. And my son said, what's Good Friday? So I'm telling him about what Good Friday is and how it's a couple days before Easter, and you know, we, we remember what Jesus did for us and how he sacrificed for us and all of that. And, uh, and my son, and I said, you know, he did all of this to save us. And my son asked the most important question, and that's, well, how can I be saved? I thought, this is it. I mean, like, my son now wants to accept Christ. Like, every parent, like, if you're a follower of Jesus, like, and you have a, you're a parent, you, like, wait for this moment for your kid to ask you questions like this. I'm like, yes. I look over at Sarah, and she looks over at me. I'm like, this is it. We're going to do this in the car. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to have a story to tell, all of that. And I, so I start going into it. I'm like, well, Wyatt, you know, we, we, we have sin in our lives. And, and immediately Wyatt blurts out, oh, I pooped my pants. I was like, well, there goes that opportunity in just one moment. So today, here's my hope. Uh, a hope is, one, none of us would poop, poop our pants. Uh, and two, that we would answer the greatest question, I think, that we could ever ask. We're going to do that by continuing and finishing up our series called The Road, a Journey Through Romans, where we've been studying what's called the Romans Road. It's five key verses in 16 chapters of the book of Romans uh, that really help us understand salvation. Uh, what we've done for this series and every series, we've created a message series hub where you can go there, you can join a reading plan, uh, you can get resources like podcasts, videos, books, all kinds of things to just deepen your faith and your understanding of the book of Romans. The book of Romans was written by a guy named Paul. He wrote it to the, the church in Rome, and the church in Rome at that time was having major issues. They were very disunified, and they were disunified because of, uh, of uh, you know, they, they were like, well, you, you, in order to follow Jesus, you have to do this. And then this group was like, no, no, you don't have to do this. And most of their issues were with methodology, like how to worship Christ, how to follow Jesus. And Paul's like, none of that really matters. Like, you're going to have disagreements and all that. I need you to focus on what matters most, and what matters most is the gospel. Now, maybe you've heard that term before. The gospel is simply the life death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And Romans Road helps us to understand the gospel message and how you and I can be saved. Uh, we've already looked at a few verses, Romans uh, 3.23, that says, for all sin and fallen short of the glory of God or the standard of God. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that yet while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Last week we looked at Romans 6:23 that says for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now all of those messages can be found on that series hub. Again, if you just scan the QR code that's in your worship guide or you just go to our website. That's where you can access uh, the the message hub. Now every one of these passages points to the same truth. That you and I were sinners. Like none of us are perfect. And, and I haven't met a person in a very long time that believes that they are perfect. So most of us would say, yep, I, I'm not perfect. And then the Bible tells us that our sin separates us from God. So if you've ever been in a place where you felt like, man, I, I don't feel the presence of God. I don't feel like I can hear God. I, I don't know if God's real and all that. Sin separates us from God. But God loves you and I so much that he made a way. He ended up sending his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay that penalty that sin needed paid. And so he paid it for you and I so that we could live forever. Now, I remember the first time that I, I heard this, uh, I was on a rafting trip with a, a youth group, uh, and there was a guy there, his name was Rip. Now, if your name is Rip, you're already the coolest person on the planet. 
uh, and Rip was really ripped. Uh, and he was an Olympian. Uh, he had hair like that flowed down like Fabio, like all the girls loved him. I'm like, this guy's a role model for me. Uh, and so I'm just asking him questions. He's just telling me about his life, uh, how he came from an abusive home. Uh, he was uh, stuck in alcoholism and, and drugs and all of that. Then he started telling me about this guy named Jesus. Now, as I'm listening to a story, I'm like, man, this is my story. Like, this is the home I came from. This is the stuff that I'm dealing with right now. And he starts talking about this guy named Jesus and how he wouldn't be here and he wouldn't be the person that he is today if it wasn't for Jesus saving him. And I thought in that moment, like, that sounds really fascinating, but what do I do with this? So I, I talked to another buddy that same night and I said, hey, man, I think I believe this about this Jesus guy, but like, what do I do now? Like, I'm not saying that I don't have questions or I don't have doubts or any of that, but like, what would be my next step? Do I just need to like be a better person? Do I need to clean up my act? Do I, do I, I need to go to church and sing some songs? Like, what is my next step? And, and he told me in, in these words, not necessarily these exact words, but in, in this premise, he said, hey, Ernest, uh, being a follower of Jesus and being saved isn't about going to church or serving or giving or singing some songs or anything like that. Those things are an outflow. They're an overflowing of your relationship with Jesus. And then he quoted this verse that we're going to look at today. It's Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it. If not, no worries. It's going to be up on the screen. Uh, if you need a Bible, go to our Connection Center, and we'll get you a Bible right there. Or you can download the Bible app. That's where we do reading plans and all of that. But my buddy quoted this scripture to me, and it really transformed my understanding and ultimately my life. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Sounds pretty simple. Doesn't sound too complex. Verse 10, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Now there's four words in this text that, that help us to understand salvation. If you were to ever ask the question, how can I be saved? And I think every person at some point is confronted with that question, whether you take it seriously or not, every one of us is confronted with that. And this passage gives us four words that are essential to salvation, to being saved. The first word is declare, declare. Look at verse nine. If you declare with your mouth, other translations say confess. So if you declare or confess, now a confession or declaration is a really big deal. Like when you declare something, like, like take if you're, if you're married, think back to the time where you declared your love for your spouse. Think back to that first time that you said, I love you to someone in your life. It's a big deal. Like that shouldn't be something that's flippantly done in our lives. Like we should take that seriously. Sarah and I, we love to, to meet with couples and to hear their story. And she always asks them like, how did you fall in love? You know, and all that stuff. And I'm I'm like, yeah, cool. What sport teams do you like? You know, uh, but she's like way deeper than me. And so she's asking that question. We get to hear their story and we love it. And we love when they get to the part about, you know, when they first told each other, I love you because it's a big deal. Well, this declaration was even bigger for the Christians in that time. Because see, the culture that they lived in was a culture of emperor worship, meaning they, they had to worship the emperor. It wasn't just encouraged. Whoever the emperor were, was, he, he mandated that you would worship him. And if you didn't, you could be thrown in jail and eventually killed if you didn't worship him. So when he's telling Christians, hey, here's how you're saved. You confess with your mouth. 
Ultimately, we'll see that Jesus is Lord. That's what you're confessing. That's what you're declaring in an emperor worship culture. This is massive because you could be thrown into jail and killed. Theologian N.T. Wright, he states it this way. To come to Rome with the gospel of Jesus, to announce someone else's ascension to the world's throne, therefore was to put on a red coat and walk into a field with a potentially angry bull. He says, but here's the deal. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you want to be saved, you have to confess. You have to declare to the world your faith in Christ. You can't keep that silent. You can't not tell people. You've got to tell people. And that's why baptism is so important. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons that we do baptisms. It's a, it's a declaration. It's a confession. It's saying, hey, here's my faith in Jesus. We just got to baptize, I think it was 16 individuals right before this service. And they, yeah, that, that thing is awesome. And their confession was even uh, more dramatic because our uh, hot water heater here is not working. Uh, so it was a true confession when they came out of the water. Like one girl was like, wah! You know? <laughs> like, so, yep, she's confessing right now. Uh, so that's part of, uh, of baptism. And if you've never been baptized, man, I would encourage you. Like this is part of confession. This is part of declaring to the world that I'm new. It doesn't mean you're saying I'm perfect or that I'm not going to have questions or doubts. It's just you saying, I believe in Jesus, that he is Lord, and all that. So the first word is declare. The second word is Lord. What are you declaring? Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. This is huge. You see, in today's culture, uh, we think, well, Jesus was a good guy. Some people might say, well, Jesus was a good teacher. Was he God? I don't know. I don't know if I'd go that far and call him God, but he was good. The problem with that is Jesus didn't come to be neutral. And if you look in the responses of the Bible, like you look at how people responded to him during his time, responded to the things that he said, responded to the things that he did, they, resp they had strong reactions. They were either uh, afraid of him, they hated him, or they worshiped him. Those were the only three responses that people gave to Jesus. They feared him, they hated him, or they worshiped him. There was no neutrality. It wasn't like, oh, that's Jesus. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a pretty good teacher. We do that today because we're, it's a little bit uh, uh, harder for us to say Jesus is Lord, that he's actually God, so he's good. Like, I haven't met any person that wouldn't say Jesus was a good guy. The problem with that is Jesus never came to be neutral. So when you look at the life and the teachings of Jesus... You have to come down to one of four outcomes. Either Jesus is a liar. Why would he be a liar? Because Jesus said he's God. He just flat out was like, I'm God. So if you don't believe that he's God, then he's a liar. So that might be one outcome. The second outcome is he's a lunatic. He's crazy. He's out of his mind. Like he said that he was God, but he's just kind of a crazy guy. He's got some, you know, major mental health issues going on. He was just out of his mind. The problem with that is that the things that Jesus did showed he had a lot of power. He raised somebody back from the dead. He healed blindness and lameness and leprosy and all these things. So like to say that he's a lunatic, he was a lunatic with a lot of power then, kind of the power of God. So he's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's a legend. And I don't mean legend like, oh, he's a great legend, but I mean legend like in, in, the, in the line of Achilles. Achilles was a real person, but now when you think of Achilles, it's like blown out of proportion. 
So maybe Jesus, he was a real person, but who he was and what he did is kind of blown out of proportion. The problem with that is that his followers died some crazy deaths, like significant deaths that, that if they're going, hey, this guy isn't actually real or, or he's real, but he, he didn't really say that he was God or he's not really God or he didn't do these things, why would they die for him? That sounds crazy. Why would you die for a lunatic or a guy who wasn't what he said he was? So he was not a legend. So it's either liar or it's lunatic, legend, or Lord. Those are your only four outcomes. You can't say he's a good teacher. No good teacher is a liar. You can't say that he was just a good human because what he said and what he did makes you have a strong reaction. You either fear him, you hate him, or you worship him. Those are our three responses. And so what's the outcome? Let's confess your mouth that Jesus is Lord. To be saved, that's what we have to do. The third word is believe. Believe. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. Now, the word he uses there for believe is a lot deeper than just an intellectual belief. It means that you actually put action into whatever you say you believe. So you, you put your money where your mouth is, if you will. Right? It's like you, you have to do something with what you say you intellectually and in your soul believe. So I believe this, so I actually have to do something about it. It's what I do every time I get on a plane. Uh, I've told you guys, I don't like to fly. I hate it. The only time I'm okay with flying is when it's my whole family because my thought process is, well, if we go down, we all die. You know, like super encouraging and lighthearted, right? <laughs> but every time I step on the plane, what I'm saying is I believe. I don't just intellectually believe, but I believe enough to actually get on there. So I believe that somebody knows aerodynamics way better than me. I believe that the sacrifices and the time that these pilots have put in, that they know what they're doing. So when I say I believe, I'm saying I trust you. I'm not saying I believe from the gate or I believe from my house. Yeah, 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 I, be I believe you did a good job. No, no, I'm saying it by stepping forward, by taking action. And Paul's saying that if you believe, then it should change your life. You can't just say that like, man, I, I follow Jesus and nothing in your life changes. It has to change. There's got to be movement. There's got to be growth. You've got to do something with this intellectual and hopefully something that you believe deep down in your soul. There's got to be movement there. So believe. Well, what are you believing in? Well, that's the fourth word. And that's the resurrection. Paul says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be what? saved. So you got to believe that God raised them from the dead. It's not enough to believe in God. It's not enough to believe in the church. The crux of everything that we believe is the resurrection. I mean, Paul's writing to a church that's disunified. They're arguing about different things. So here's the reality. You and I, we can have, we can have differing opinions. Uh, who knew? Like you could believe something different than me. But at the end of the day, what we have to agree on over followers of Jesus is this, that Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the dead. That's the crux of everything. Everything else we can be like, ah, I don't know if I believe that, we agree with you on that. I don't know if I, I stand in that camp or whatever. But at the end of the day, the crux is the resurrection. That's what we have to believe in. That's what changes lives. Here's my take on the resurrection. If a guy predicts his own death and he predicts his own resurrection, 
and then actually does it, that's the guy I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna say that again. If a guy predicts his own death, predicts his own resurrection, and then actually pulls it off, I'm gonna follow him. The resurrection is what sets Jesus apart from every other religious leader. There's no other religious leader that said, hey, here's what's gonna happen. And then it happens, and then he raises himself from the dead. No other religious leader can proclaim that. It's the crux of everything we believe. Paul says, hey, salvation, it's very clear. If you wanna be saved, it's really, really clear. It doesn't mean it's easy, but it's really clear. You confess. Be willing to make your faith public. Confess what? That Jesus is Lord. He's not just a good guy. He's not just a good teacher. He can't be any of those things if he's not Lord because that's who he said he was. That's what he did. He showed. So we confess that he is Lord. You believe, not just an intellectual belief, but a belief that changes you, that makes you move to action. You believe in what? God raised him from the dead. You believe in the resurrection, the crux of everything that we hold our faith in. And here's the deal. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you believe in God, but you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're a church goer, but you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're not antagonistic to faith and you're kind of open to it and all of that, but you're not a follower of him. My question to you would be, why not today? Like there's no better day than today. Why? Because we're not promised tomorrow. Like tomorrow's not promised for any of us. So can we make that decision today that yes, I'm gonna confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I'm gonna believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. It doesn't mean that you won't have questions. It doesn't mean that you won't struggle and deal with doubts and all of that. But it means you'll be saved. And you're not promised tomorrow, so why not today? Why not choose it today? But how about those of us that are already followers of Jesus? Those of us who would already say, man, I've confessed with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I am saved. What about for us? Like this whole series, every single week has been about salvation. And every week I've tried to like point out something that, that should challenge us as followers of Jesus. And so many of you have come up to me and said, or sent me messages saying, hey man, this series is really impacting me. Thank you for that. And I appreciate those words. Because I think sometimes we can get so focused on like, you know, people that don't know Christ. Well, what about, what's my role now, now that I do know Jesus? And Paul gives us this amazing challenge right after he says these words about us being saved. I think he speaks directly to us as those who would say that we are saved. Here's what he says, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How can people call on the name of Jesus if they don't believe in Jesus? How can people believe in Jesus if they've never heard about Jesus? How do they hear about Jesus if no one is proclaiming it, declaring it, confessing it. That's our job. 
that's our role. That no matter what we do in life, no matter where our, our, we, we, we place our foot, no matter if it's at the workplace or it's in our neighborhood or it's at our kids' schools or whatever it may be, no matter where we go, that our role as followers of Jesus is to make Jesus famous, is to proclaim him, to let everybody else know who he is. And there's some people that they're like, man, I, I want to proclaim my politics or I want to proclaim, you know, my dreams. And God's like, that's not what I brought you here for. That's not why you're here. If you want to get involved in politics, that's fine. If you want to like, if you're like, man, I want to do something with my life. I want to make a difference with my life. That's fine. But hear me on this. If you want to make lasting change in the life of someone else or in the community or the world, it's not going to be through politics or doing something. It's going to be through Jesus. Now get involved. Do things. I'm not saying don't do those things. All those things are necessary, absolutely necessary. But guess what? Jesus wasn't a Republican or Democrat. Don't attach Jesus to your politics. Don't attach whatever like your heart goes after and whatever you want to do to Jesus. But everything that you do, every place that you go as a follower of Christ, if you want to make a man, I want to see the world change. Like, I'm tired of seeing it the way it is and tired of seeing people the way they are and the bickering and the fighting, and it's like constant. It's constant. Like, things can change, but it doesn't change unless we proclaim Jesus because he's the only one that creates lasting change in us. He's the only one that creates lasting change through us. So wherever you tread, wherever you go, wherever your footsteps, you're called to proclaim, to declare, to shout at the rooftops, Jesus. It doesn't mean you have to have all the answers, okay? It doesn't mean that like you have to know the saying forward and backwards. We, we do reading plans and all that because we're like, man, just keep studying. Like keep getting to God's word. Always, it'll help you, it'll help others and all of that. Help you become a better human, all of those things. But it doesn't mean you have to know all of this to go proclaim. What do you have to know? What has he done in your life? What do you need to share? What has he done in your life? What do you tell other people? Jesus is Lord, and I believe God raised him from the dead. It's really that simple. And if you and I would do that, we would see the lasting change that we all long for, that we all want in this community, that we all want in our families' lives. We all want anywhere we go, we want lasting change. We want our lives to make a difference. The only way to do that is by proclaiming Jesus and then letting him do what he wants to do. People are going to receive him or not. That's not for us to judge. That's not for us to dictate. It's on us just simply to proclaim and let him do what he's going to do. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. God, I thank you so much for your mercy and your grace in our lives. I thank you for this letter written to the church in Rome almost 2,000 years ago. A letter that still impacting us today. It wasn't just meant for the church back then, but it's meant for the church today and of every generation. I just pray, Father, that first, for those of us who are followers of you, who would say, man, I am saved. I confess that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. I pray for us that we would take it upon ourselves, Father, to proclaim to the world who you are, your goodness, your power, your greatness that you are Lord. You're not just a good guy. You're not just a good teacher. Those are neutral things. You're Lord. 
May we proclaim that. May we share the truth about Jesus to others so that others can make the decision for themselves to come to him or not. Father, help us to do that. But God, I know every single week, even last service, we have people who walk in this place that if we're being real honest, we'd say, man, I'm not, I'm not following Jesus. Maybe you could say, I, I believe in God. Maybe you could say, man, I've been to church. Maybe you've never been to church. But if you do an honest assessment of your life right now, you'd say, you know what? No, I'm not following him. Maybe you've never confessed that Jesus is the Lord, believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you feel this distance between you and God. If you can admit to that, that hey, I'm a sinner, like all of us are. That sin separates us from God. If you've ever felt that separation, you know now it's because of sin. God in his great love and his great mercy for you is saying, just come home. Come home. Confess that Jesus is the Lord. Believe in your heart. God raised him from the dead. It's really that simple. And it starts today. So if that's you and you could admit that, man, this is where I'm at. This is exactly where my faith journey is. But man, I want to come home today, Ernest. I want to confess that Jesus is Lord. I want to believe, and, and, and as a part of that belief, put it into action. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. But if that's you, if you want to commit your life to Christ today or recommit your life to Christ today, what I want you to do right now is just raise your hand. With every head bowed and eyes closed. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you that you know their story. You know them by name. You know the journey that they've been on. And I pray, Father, that what you're doing in their hearts right now, that you would seal it. You would seal it with your grace, your mercy, your power. Those of you who are watching online, you can simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. The Lord sees you. He knows your name. He knows your story. And here's probably the coolest part. The Bible says that when you make the decision that some of you just made right now, that the angels are rejoicing. Like all of heaven has just seen it. And we rejoice with you. That doesn't mean you're not going to have questions or doubts or any of that. But as a church, we're going to walk with you. Like we're here. So you can walk on this journey, know him more, live out the purpose he has for you and all of that. So God, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the grace that you offer us. Father, tell us what our next steps are now. Tell us what we're to do. In Jesus' name, amen.